You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Amber and talking about being a single adopter. Hi Amber, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, how are you? I'm absolutely fine, thank you. Amber, can I ask you to tell me a bit about yourself and how you came to adoption? Hi, uh, so my name is Amber, I'm 40, um, I am uh, going through the adoption process as a single adopter and I am from South Asian background. Um, I've always uh, wanted to adopt, I think, um, for a good number of years now, so um, and turning 40 I think is a special age and spiritually it's special to me and uh, I think that I just felt that time is right. And um, so I started the process last year uh, with a local agency and um, it's been cr- great so far. That's really nice that it sort of came to you at the age of 40. You know, I similarly sort of had a bit of a, oh my word, 40, I should have absolutely got my act together at this stage sort of feeling. Tell me a bit more about what that was and what was going through your mind. So uh, I've Personally, um, I'm quite spiritual and I've always, uh, and in scripture, uh, you know, 40 has a, a big significance. Um, you know, the, the age 40, they always say it's uh, an age of wisdom. Uh, and they, I mean, a lot of people kind of think, oh, 40. Well, I was actually very much looking forward to turning 40. Um, I actually started telling people, even before I was 40, that I'm going to be turning 40 in a couple of years' time. And they just found it, they found me really odd. And in <laughs> fact, on my 20, 39th birthday, my friends got me a card saying happy 40th, thinking that I was turning 40 because I'd talked about it for so long. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so spiritually, it's a, it's a big, uh, you know, like, you know, in scripture, um, you know, the number 40 is talked about a lot. And then, um, you know, great things happen to people when they turn 40. And I just kind of, yeah, kind of leaning into that spiritual side of my, my soul and myself. It just feels like it's come at the right time. And I think that also uh, I've achieved so much in my life that it kind of feels like the right time because being a parent at any age, I think it's it, it it's always it's always going to you know you're always going to question yourself. But I think that when you are forty, you've had a lot of life experiences where you can sort of um, uh, delve into those experiences and and you know I think I'm a different person. I'd, I'd make a different parent now than I would say ten years ago, even fifteen years ago. So. Yeah, it just kind of, it feels right. And um, yeah, it just kind of feels like everything's come together. My life's kind of come together in a beautiful, harmonious way. That's absolutely lovely that that you've just said. I think that's really beautiful. What's what is your religion or spiritual background that that's that the you know, 40th is is so important and and so on? So I I, I practice a branch of Islam, which is Sufism. Um, and it's very sort of it's just uh, a, a lot of it is about energy uh, and spirituality and the connection with um, the earth and um, just being a good person I think you know just kind of being at peace with yourself and 
the higher energy and the energy around you. Um, and a lot of it is about um, being good and, you know, projecting the best version of yourself uh, in this life. And then, you know, if you kind of, you know, kind of, you know, live your life in that way, uh, you get great things back because the energy is is always, you know, it's a two-way process. And, yeah, it's kind of, you know, being at peace with yourself and, the, the you know, uh, all around you, you know, you know, people, um, but also, um, uh, you know, the, the creation that is all around you. And it's kind of, you know, finding beauty in everything that we see, the, the things that in life we take for granted, you know, so your health, for example, or nature, you know, all those kind of things. I think that sometimes in a very fast paced, um, neoliberal capitalist, you know, society that we live in, it's kind of, it is a way of just reconnecting with yourself. Yeah, I can hear from how you're talking about it, just how embedded it is in in everything for you. And does that is that really why adoption felt like the right thing to do? You talked about putting things out there and, and you know, that circle almost. Is that why adoption as opposed to parenthood by another road? Yes, I think I think so. Um I had obviously a very difficult life in my, you know, sort of early twenties. I, I became homeless. In, not by choice, but uh, well, in, in some ways by choice because I, I, w- I was forced into a marriage uh, at the age of seventeen, and I was um, uh, imprisoned in the in a foreign country. And I came back uh, when I turned on my tw- just after my twentieth birthday, and I kind of then made a decision that you know either I, I kind of walked away or I, I would never escape that sort of um, situation. So I did. And it was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me in many respects, looking back, because it was the start of my new life. I started my life from scratch. I educated, you know, went and got an education uh, and I you know, worked, started work from a very young age. And so, you know, I, I kind of went through life you know, just focusing on on rebuilding my life, I think, in many, many um, respects. And then sort of um, accepted my identity or identities. um, And sort of, I am very proud of who I am, but it took me a long time to accept it. And uh, a lot of the times, I think the conflict was within myself as well, to accept myself for who I am, because it wasn't easy to accept my uh, my faith and and square that with my identity, my sexuality. So that took me, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was a process to say the least. Um, and then, you know, you get to a point where you, I am very comfortable with that. I'm very proud of who I am. And and yeah, so it, then, you know, it just you know, uh, you know, in terms of adoption, it's something I've always wanted to do for a number of years, but. I wanted to be in a good place um, myself before I took that sort of step. And I've been obviously uh, doing um, some research uh, around it for, for uh, you know a few years. And then, as I say, last year kind of felt like the right time. Um, and I, I I contacted, well, I spoke to lo- lots of um, friends and friends of friends who have gone through the adoption process. And then... Um, I contacted a, a local agency that 
a friend had recommended and yeah I've not looked back and it's it's been a really uh, supportive uh, process for me. I mean that's an incredible story your life story and you know I'm so sorry to hear the awful things that you went through but it sounds like from that position you absolutely built from the ground up and I can only imagine how how you're going to be able to draw on all of those things to you know as you as you come to parenthood of an adopted child I guess that must have come up a lot as you were going through the assessment process. Yeah in many respects it's interesting you asked that question because I kind of felt that that might not go in my 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 favour yeah given that I've had such a traumatic, um, you know, life experience or experiences myself. Um, but uh, I was always reassured by, my, you know, my wonderful social worker that actually, you know, you're in a very good position because, uh, you know, you've gone through that trauma yourself and it's about, you know, being empathic to to other people's realities as well. So it's not a bad thing that, you know, um, or it, it by no means will go against you. Um, if anything, it's that, you know, we think that you you have so much experience um, to support, you know, a, a child that is um, placed with you. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm really pleased to kind of hear that they actually said that to you, because I think sometimes individual social workers know that having stuff that's, you know, having a difficult background yourself can can be a strength but I'm not sure they always say it out loud so sometimes I think you feel quite apologetic for it or quite on the back foot trying to kind of say oh you know despite all of this I think I'll be good when actually it's probably that because of all of this you'll be good. I, yeah I absolutely agree with you. And so um, I guess going through the assessment process you know we all kind of imagine that you know there might be different barriers to us being approved and things and so it sounds like you thought that your barrier uh, well, that one barrier might be your background but did you think you might face other barriers either due to your spiritual beliefs or due to your sexual orientation or due to being single you know there's a lot of stuff there that I imagine could have existed in your mind as potential reasons for rejection yeah I think you know um I think a lot of it was probably self-imposed in my you know because you kind of question uh you know um your own kind of ability or you know will I make a good parent and you know will I can I rise to to this challenge and so when I was going through stage one for example and you have the four-day preparation course you know often um, I would sit in those and think to myself you know you know at the beginning of the day um, you know what am I thinking and you know um, you know, often it would go down to, yeah, would I make a good parent? Can I do this? Um, And so it was a lot of it was self-doubt. And then, you know, by the end of the day, I would always kind of walk away thinking, actually, you know, what does a child need? Um, A child needs a loving home, security, uh, love, care, all the things that I can provide. So I don't know why am I you know, doubting myself. And then I had a good small network of good friends around me who I would, you know, talk to. And they gave me a lot of advice as well, you know, um, that, you know, parenthood, like, you know, it's like anything in life. Um, We will, you know, we we don't always get it right, you know, and there is no manual. um, You know, we we will make decisions according to what, at, at that moment, according to what we think is right. So there's no right or wrong way of doing it. But along the way, we will always um, 
learn and maybe sometimes learn that we you know learn to do th things differently or better and that's not a bad thing um and i think yeah sometimes you forget that you th you think to yourself or you know uh am i going to get it right or wrong as i was questioning myself and like now i frame that very differently and you know you you do the best that you can in the circumstances that you can um with the resources that are are available to you and i think as long as you know and that's what life is isn't it um and so going back to your you know question in terms of you know thinking of barriers i think a lot of it yeah i i had massive and uh sort of fears uh around being a single adopter as well uh you know can i do it on my own um you know uh and you know, my friend said there are a lot of single parents out there in the world you know um it's you know it, you, you can absolutely do it um so a lot of it was not not barriers that other people put um i think a lot of it was just it you know in my own mind um you know the questioning um and i you know you you kind of talk through those kind of fears and doubts um with the people close to you and and get their take on stuff and then very quickly it does you know uh you 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 know you you're you're you you are reassured um and you know those those fears don't seem as big as uh, anymore yeah i'm literally i'm nodding along if you could see me my head's nearly nodding off at all the things that you're saying i think that you're absolutely right about uh, that kind of pragmatic approach is that really all that we can do is our best and all we can do is try and figure out in the moment what the right thing to do is but it's really nice that you're entering it with that in mind because I think sometimes the more the more kind of barriers that we perceive that we've overcome in assessment like oh they won't want me because I'm x or they might not want me because I'm y or whatever sometimes there can be a sort of self-imposed perfection then that you best do it perfectly now you know you'd better not let the side down as it were or you know and I think that pragmatic approach is much much more realistic because you know, we all hit times where we need support, whether that's professional support or, you know, peer group support or whatever. And I think if you set the bar really high, I was chatting to somebody last week and um, with adopted children and their approach is a real sort of perfectionist approach. And I think it it adds to the stress and I don't mean perfectionist around the children they're amazing with the kids and all of that but things just around the standards of how things are done and how things um, should be and it's such a hard thing then to climb down from if you set the bar at that really really high level I just think that that pragmatic approach about look I'll do my best and that's the best I can do is is a really good way of approaching it all uh, yeah absolutely um because that's kind of you know the, there is no right and wrong way um i don't think you know there there is you know the, you know like you have to just take each moment each day um as it comes and you know do your best um in, in the circumstance and with the resources and the support that you have yeah i agree with you absolutely and so i guess now you're at the family finding stage can you tell me a bit about that and what your thoughts are and how that's going so yeah, so I've been approved um, about six weeks ago, um, and because I'm going through a local agency and not a local authority, uh, so I'm obviously kind of relying on either the introduction through the agency or I'm on a, on the LinkMaker uh, platform, and so it's 
In terms of how it's going, it's going a bit slow at the moment. And obviously, that's probably because it's probably not the same when you're going through a local authority where there are already children in in the care of that local authority. But saying that equally, um, I I have you know I'm working with my social worker to um, sort of be matched with you know a, a couple of children or just at least getting um the the profiles and and my social worker sharing my profile with with um other social workers um it it's uh, it's going slow or slower than i thought it would probably go i think um probably it's it's probably normal um but i i think also my social worker did kind of say to me to manage my expectations with with the whole covid situation there is quite a bit bit of a uh backlog as well so perhaps that's another reason as well. Yeah, and I think that at various points, there are sometimes more children in the system than there are prospective adopters. But this is one of those moments when there's more prospective adopters in the system than there are children waiting. And so um, at the moment, I think people are finding that they're having to wait a little while and, you know, perhaps consider how broad they can be in their criteria and so on. And, you know, that's a really personal decision. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a really hard time family finding because you just don't know, do you? You could get the phone call in five minutes, in five days, in five months. And it just, it's really impossible to sort of run your life thinking, well, I can't really book to go shopping with so-and-so next month because I might have a child, I might be doing intros. It's a really, really weird time. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, like um, everyone asks, uh me now that they they know that I've been approved it's like oh what's happening what's happening and it's like um it's the so this stage is quite an uncertain stage because you don't know how long that will last whereas when you go through stage one and two um you're kind of given a sort of rough time frame it might not always work to that time frame but it's usually you know two months and four months uh depending on uh how um you know like how things like your paperwork and references and things like that are completed. Uh, but once you're approved, there is no time frame. So it's harder to plan, as you say. It's harder to plan. It's harder to plan, like, um, should I be going on a holiday next month, for example? Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, at what, po- at what point um, will I need to inform my, my employer to say, oh, uh, it's kind of very different to taking... Um, uh, maternity leave for example because there's a set date or you know roughly when that date is and you can kind of work around that or towards that so this kind of stage is where yeah it's it's very uncertain and you know being from a, a ethnic background as well like the, the kind of children that uh, you know that um, I would be you know considered to be the match for is also a bit trickier it's trickier um, and so yeah, it is a an uncertain stage compared to stage one and two. But then again, going back to my faith and my belief system, I you know I kind of think that when it's meant to be, it will happen. Um, so it's not. It doesn't worry me at all. Yeah, I I get that, and I think because I I don't have spiritual beliefs in that way, but I kind of. I don't really even believe in faith and stuff myself, but I did have to almost subscribe to that for the purposes of getting through the matching and kind of think what will be will be. And also kind of think that eventually we'll end up with the child that was right for us. And like I say, normally that isn't a belief system that I would subscribe to, but I almost had to lean into something like that to kind of think, well, 
eventually we'll get the child that was right for us and and that will be fine. And now I feel like we absolutely got the child that was right for us and stuff. So I don't know, maybe I need to reevaluate in my entire belief system or at the very least, that as a concept was really comforting in at a point that felt just completely out of control. Yeah, I'm ha- more than happy to talk to you uh, outside this post podcast about <laughs> reevaluing you. <laughs> Consider me recruited. <laughs> um, so it's no, it's just it's it's just fascinating, kind of what we, I guess, what we sort of lean into to cope with difficult times. I guess, and I didn't. I just sort of had to think that somehow it would work out, I guess. And because you can, you are quite powerless with the timescales and the decision-making and all of those sorts of things that kind of happen despite you to a point at this point in your life. And yet so fundamentally and profoundly changing of your life, like which child and when and, and so on. And, and you're quite powerless in it. You're just sort of being swept along in this current, a bit like when you go to a water park and there's one of those lazy river things. Just felt like that, that you're sort of drifting along and thinking, well, I'm going to arrive somewhere, I guess. Let's let's just see where we arrive. Yeah, and I think the, to add on to that, then it's like your friends and, you know, they're, they're constantly asking you, you know, <laughs> from a week to week, like, oh, so, you know, where are you up to? And you're thinking to yourself, well, I, there's no running commentary I can give you. You know, it's what it is, and you kind of find that you you're repeating yourself over and over again, because they're kind of they don't really understand that that you know what, what's required. So, uh, but yeah, I think people um, around you assume that once you're approved, that's it. You know, um, you, you know you're going to be placed with a, a child, you know, fairly quickly, but then to have to explain to them and you don't really you know like you don't want to be talking to everyone about um you know where you're up to until it doesn't actually happen so yeah and also of course you can end up sort of looking at a profile expressing an interest having further conversations and then suddenly it's not happening and so again you can be a bit up and down a roller coaster and there's that temptation kind of to either tell people because it's exciting or not tell anyone because it's not certain it's quite difficult Absolutely. Have you already been looking at some children's profiles? And you mentioned being on Linkmaker and stuff. Have have they been sort of um, either matching you on Linkmaker a little bit, or um, you know, are you seeing some children's profiles and uh, reports? So yeah, I I uh, express I've personally expressed an interest via my social worker for uh, for two children, and one we have received the report for, and one we haven't received any communication at the moment. Okay, and so obviously, without asking any specifics um, about those children, but I just wonder how are you finding that emotionally now to be talking about real children and whether or not those real children might be the right match for you? Yeah, that's really interesting because in theory, you know everything. Like you know that um, before you actually go through the process, that um, you know children who are um, in the care system have you know had a false start in life and you know you understand you go into that process knowing full well that they they have a lot of trauma uh, in their life uh, either even before they come uh, in in the world and I think that um so last week I I read the first report it took me a good few hours reading um the profile uh and it kind of you know, as I say, I, I I knew, you know, that the children had difficult backgrounds. But I think when you read a report, um, 
and you know yeah yeah the severity of of the situation um kind of really hit home and it was difficult to be honest it was really really difficult but then you know i had to kind of reflect on that and think well it's never an easy uh, decision for you know for the you know for the um, professionals to get involved to remove a child and it's absolutely the the last uh, resort um hence the 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 difficulties and the complexities around uh, why children are placed into care so it was never going to be easy but i think knowing something and then when you're faced with it it's two different things. So yeah, like last week, I got faced with that first reality uh, in in my journey anyway, and it was you know that maybe it might maybe it'll get easier for me to kind of comprehend that and kind of move with that. But I think because it was the first uh, first child that I was um, you know kind of understanding their background, it really it was tough. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I, I remember that really well. But you read these reports, and you know, it goes obviously into the birth parents history as well. And you just see these kind of chains of a problem and then an attempted intervention, and then another problem and then another attempted intervention, and then another problem, and another attempted intervention. And certainly, some of the ones that I read where it was about the birth parents own lives, it was essentially just a catalogue of them not being protected, particularly often the birth mother whose details have gone into it. And they themselves, it's just this absolute catalogue of vulnerability and services failing to protect them, and then vulnerability again, and services failing to protect them. And eventually, it felt like a sort of recurring story almost. And then eventually, they would end up pregnant with the child that you're then talking about. And suddenly, you're then reading about this further catalogue of um, neglect or abuse or you know, all of the issues that can be faced, substances and all of that sort of stuff. And it's kind of just like watching a sort of a disaster film unfold in that where something can go wrong, it's gone wrong again and gone wrong again and gone wrong again. And it is it is quite an overwhelming read. And I think sometimes we sort of think that, well, why didn't they swoop in earlier? Why wasn't this child removed sooner? Why did all of this stuff have to happen? And you're right, that it's a last resort, which means that lots of other resorts are tried first, but it's it's so hard to read that catalogue and then start to think, right now, can I, am I the right adult for this child? Can I do this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, so you're kind of torn between, as you've said, that um, the, the, uh, the you know biological birth family um often have had um lots of issues that they've uh, gone through and so it, it is a reason you know it's it sort of that that whole thing is recycling itself uh, just because um that they they've not really had any uh, a different life I, I guess so I think when I was reading the uh, the report you know you can't Remove yourself from feeling um, a sense of uh, sense of res- empathy, I guess you know, for the you know, like the biological birth family, because you know they that they, they you know they they didn't have other opportunities. They didn't have you know they often had you know like well in in this case anyway, um, like neglect and abuse, you know you know throughout their life um and 
so that's kind of difficult and then you kind of think well so th- what they're doing is just like recycling that uh same situation because they've it's a vicious circle so in my in my heart um while i knew it was the right decision that the the child had to be removed from the birth family or the birth mother but also you know and again i i i'd kind of listened to a podcast last year um where the birth family often are in denial uh, about the situation so clearly this the birth mother was actually in denial about you know that that she was doing anything wrong um and so it's that kind of knowing the vulnerabilities of the birth family in the first place and then thinking well you know yes you know the, the they've been given so many um chances to rehabilitate but they have not been taken and and maybe if if their life was at a, at a different stage, would they make different decisions? So it's kind of you're kind of torn between thinking, you know, that they should be given opportunities and chances to to change, but obviously that that change doesn't happen. So that um, cycle is kind of just going around and around again. Even as you say, with all the interventions, and then those interventions are not kind of followed through. So yeah, it's kind of a case of yeah, birth families being in denial. So, uh, but then that means there's a, a vulnerable child or children who are affected by this. But yeah, you you can't remove yourself from the reality that you know. That, well, in this case, the birth family, the birth mother had had a difficult life herself, and so she was just repeating that um, on on her child. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um some of that really resonates. I remember feeling almost maternal towards the birth mother before I felt maternal towards the child that we're talking about because, you know, the reports start with the background and it's just this catalogue of sort of disaster. And then, you know, and uh, yeah, I just just remember that pull. And then, of course, yeah, that difficult decision about this is a tragic story and it is also somebody who cannot safely raise this child, you know. So, yeah, I think it's, I think they're a hard read. I think it's a really emotional time and it's it's quite difficult and also sometimes you think I don't think I am the right adult for this child and that's really hard as well there's a whole load of emotion that goes with that too absolutely and I think I so I kind of you know um I, I've been to an activity today as well so I I said you know I, I met a young boy and um while I always thought I was going to adopt a, a girl because um I was the youngest after five um, brothers, so I've always kind of longed for that female connection. But um, I, I am very open to 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 the child um, uh, that I will have in my care. But um, you, when you observe a, a child and a child's needs, I think that you very quickly um, understand that perhaps this this child is is not. Although the, I would love to adopt the child, is is probably not. I'm not the right parent for that child and in my case because I'm a single adopter I think that um, I have that at the back of my mind as well to say would this child benefit from um, you know a two-parent family or would I be the right one so I think in both cases I've kind of and having spoken to the foster carers uh, and the the child social worker they they agree that you know um, the the, the child would benefit from uh, a two-parent 
family um, because of either their additional needs or their current needs. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And I can see why that's in the front of your mind, because it absolutely is a factor. And, you know, loads of people um, adopt as single people and do it immensely successfully. But I'm sure that that success starts with being realistic about what you feel able to consider and what you don't. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, a really good decision to say no, but it's hard to say no. Yeah, that's right. Um, So given that you're sort of, you know, heading towards parenthood quite rapidly, I would imagine, I'm sure it doesn't feel rapid, but you know, these things all of a sudden move and then there you are. I just wonder sort of some of the things that you're perhaps looking forward to about parenthood and how, you know, those little images or fantasies in our heads that we have about how it will be. What are you looking forward to? So um, my fantasy perhaps is, um, yeah, it's sort of having this little person in my life and we just get on really well we're like two peas in a pod, uh, like either I become a mini her or him or vice versa. I don't know which one. Um, I think the the former than the latter. Uh, I think I'll become the child. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just in, enjoying, um, you know, like, uh, you know, lovely times together, doing things together. I think I've kind of, you know, I'm as I said, you know, being 40, I've, I've kind of achieved a lot in my life. And I think, now I'm ready to to um, embrace on this process and or embrace this process and, and go on this journey um, and give my time, my love, uh, my care, um, my home, uh, and share that with this amazing uh, little uh, being, and just doing fun things together uh, and and you know spending life together and, and and you know learning from each other. I think um, and. Yeah. So, yeah, I have these visions of kind of just, you know, uh, life being filled with lots of things, you know, from changing nappies to to mm-hmm. doing, you know, going to the park, for example, uh, making dinner. Um, yeah. And everything in between. That sounds absolutely lovely. Um, before we finish, can I ask you if you've got advice based on the journey that you've had so far and, you know, all your thought process about adoption and then the process of going through the assessment and the stage that you're at, would you had, have advice for other people who might your story might resonate with about just, you know, what would you tell them about this journey so far and any advice that you've got? Oh, um, where do I start? Um <laughs> no pressure yeah I think uh, I, I think that um, if you feel that it's right for you or if you're considering it uh, my advice would be to talk to talk to people uh, in your uh, uh, circle of friends and it might it might be that you you know like your immediate friends uh, you don't know anyone but there's someone that knows someone that either is going through the process or has gone through that process so I think that's kind of the first thing I did. I was kind of just talking to people and they introduced me to other people that were, um, so their friends who were going through the process. Now, everyone's journey is different, so it's not the, the same. Um, so I spoke to my neighbour and her her sister, uh, sorry, her brother-in-law's sister was going through the process. Uh, and even my friends, their friends were, you know, so I, I definitely reach out to to people in your network and talk to people about the process and what that looks and feels like. I think that's really important to do. Um, and, you know, you know, don't be afraid, like whatever your identity or however you identify yourself, um, you know, don't be afraid 
to put yourself out there um and you know when it feels right um i you know like especially being south asian um you know i feel that there has to be more 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 people coming forward uh, there's lots of children in who need a, a loving home and um you know we have to you know like i feel that you know if i could speak um and encourage other people um to kind of think look this is kind of the right thing and especially in my culture and in 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 my you know in my community there's still like a um a taboo or 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 a stereotype of you know adopting so to kind of like think that you know i'd like to kind of um you know demystify some of that and kind of bring awareness and uh, around adoption to more people and i think the more people that consider it it's it's definitely a change for the better it's definitely needed we more people need to talk about it and you know you know adoption now in terms of you know legal uh you know uh frameworks around that have have come a long way in terms of you know considering people from lots of different backgrounds you know uh who are you know suitable to adopt um so you know you don't have to be you know in um you know you can be a single adopter you don't have to be um a couple to adopt um you can be from any background um so so you know a lot has changed but there's still a lot that needs to be done as well um and so yeah i would encourage anyone who's considering it um you know talk it through it's obviously a lifetime decision so you know so you have to give it a lot of thought and then if it feels right for you um you know definitely you know um you know d- you know start on the journey um and who knows where it'll take you that's lovely thank you so much i'd like to thank my guest today amber if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five star review and share it with your friends follow us on twitter at lgbt adopt foster and on facebook search new family social all one word visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea.